Okay, so how to train a dragon. This is kind of what we've been building up to. Um, this is where we're hoping to share with you um, a lot of resources that you can use to propel your digital ministry um, and also to showcase some people that we know that are in various aspects of digital ministry and to kind of show you what they're doing, what their niche is, how and why it's been successful, and so on. So let's, um, let's begin with prayer, and then we'll start. Dear Lord, we thank you once again for the opportunity to, to have the privilege of taking your gospel to the world. And Father, we pray that you would send us your spirit, and that you would use these presentations to further that mission. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So, creativity. It is my belief, and I think I share this with Clive, that when it comes to the church, when it comes to Adventism, that we don't really appreciate art in the way that we should. And I'm not saying, you know, people that make you sit down in front of a canvas and say, well, what do you see? And there's nothing really there but a mess. I mean, genuine art. We don't often appreciate art the way we should. And within our church, we usually don't appreciate creatives in the way that we should. The emphasis is usually not on the designers. The emphasis is usually not on the videographers and the photographers. In fact, and this won't be news to most of you, but especially young people, as you're growing up and you're going to college, you can go to you know, various Adventist institutions where they have almost every degree imaginable, but it almost feels like there's only three options. As a young Adventist, you basically either have to be a medical professional, a pastor, or a teacher. And outside of that, really, it's like, oh, you, you chose to do that? How is that going to align with your faith? How are you going to do that for the gospel? Because we think that, you know, if you're going to do something effective, then you either have, you're not holding a stethoscope, they need to be holding a microphone. Because that's really ministry, just purely the preaching and the healing, as if everything is confined to that. And I think the reason for this is that we have been molded, rightly so, in truth. And truth is very objective. It is what it is. You cannot change the truth. You cannot alter the truth and keep it as the truth. And so we, we struggle when it comes to understanding art because art is not very objective at all. It's quite subjective. Art is relative. You can see one thing. I can see another thing. And you can't really say that one is right and one is wrong. And that just doesn't always align with how we understand truth, because truth is either true or it's not. There is right or wrong when it comes to truth, not so much when it comes to art. Let's take this for example. What do you see? Anyone want to poke at it? What do you see? Yes. You see a rainbow? Or at least the colors of the rainbow? What else? Anyone else? Yes. You see the stars, okay? Good. Anyone else? The Milky Way, okay? Right, some sort of something out there. You see a man looking up. 
That's the truth. At least I think it's a man. You never know nowadays. Um, You see someone looking up. That's true. But that's not art. Right? The person that took this picture didn't take this picture so you could see someone looking up. It's because there's this belief that behind this picture, there is meaning. There is something important. There is a message that the photographer is trying to convey more than there's a person looking up. And that's where it gets a little bit difficult. Because that's where you're asked to use your imagination. So do so. Tell me, what do you see now? Use your imagination. What do you see? Beyond the literal. Beyond the truth of the image. Yes. You see what, sorry? Searching. Okay. Nice and vague. Yes. Majesty. Wonderful. Humility. Yes, for sure. You know how many of you ever stood under the stars when they seem like they're really close and you feel like you're very, 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 very small? Anyone else? Yes, at the back. The beauty of God and His creation, right? So maybe at the start when I said, what do you see? You think, ah, you know, I see a guy probably standing out there in a forest. Maybe the lens is kind of altered to make it look more circular. It's probably Photoshop, let's be honest. But when, you, when, when you're asked, okay, but what does it mean, though? What does the art mean? What does the picture mean? What's the sentiment behind it? That's when it starts to get a little bit more vague. That's when you can say something, and I'm like, I didn't see that. Because it's not very objective. What do you see here? Yes. Lego. This guy knows his stuff. Lego. But what else do you see? Move beyond, move beyond the literal for a second. Yes. Okay. White. That's true. There is white. And there's words. Yes. Shade. Okay. Again, moving beyond the literal, yes, potential, right? You see opportunity. A creative looks at that and thinks, huh, I could do a lot with this. This is the first step, the first little tiny brick in what's going to eventually become this masterpiece that I'm no doubt going to drop and break at some point. But the idea here is that there's opportunity in this picture. There's an opportunity for you to take something and to make something special with it. That's what all the kids like to do with Lego. That's what I I used to love to do with Lego. Now it's not socially acceptable. But I used to like to just sit down and, and take something and just allow my imagination to run wild. What could I make? Most of the time, nothing. Right? You just start and you're like, nothing's happening here. But the idea, the idea is that something very special can come from this. And I think the only way to truly unshackle the creative mind is to give them opportunity to think. To give them opportunity to think. Something which oftentimes we're starved of because we're just told what to think. We're told this is what you must believe and this is why we believe it. And then then we stop searching. Right? We, we, we kill the curiosity because we believe, or we've been taught to believe, that when we become Christians, that we're just kind of cookie cutter. You must be like this, and like this, and like this, and like this. And to some extent, there are things that shouldn't change. There are things that there isn't really room to, to move in. There are core truths that we must hold fast to. But when it comes to the creative mind, 
when it comes to the creative young person, the shackles have to be taken off. We have to say to, to these creatives, here's a blank canvas, do something. Take the gifts and the talents that you have and get to work. Get the pen, get the pencil or the iPad and the pencil, whatever it is, and just go for it. See what happens. That's how most of the ministries that we all love today exist. That's how GYC exists. Some young people sat down and said, we need to do something different. We need to take the various gifts and talents that we have and do something that breaks the norm. Started out with a few hundred people and now look, 20 years on. You probably wouldn't miss this any year. That started with people just like you. And we can't get to the place where we venerate the individual and the ministry so much that we're willing to just sit down and let everyone else do it for us. Because that's where innovation ends. And that's where, as we looked at in the first two seminars, that's where the progression begins to slow, and that's how we get stuck. The canvas is blank. I think the problem is oftentimes your canvas has been taken from you. This is an opportunity to take it back. This is an opportunity to say, God has given me this gift and this talent for a reason. I'm going to do my best to put it to use. What we want to do the first part here is look at some of the things that do shackle us. Some of the things that do limit us in terms of what we can do in the design world. And the first one is, it, it, it might strike quite close to home for some of you, but it's true. Oftentimes, one of the biggest restrictions when it comes to the creative mind is the parent. And I'm a parent, so I think I can say that now. Because as I said, our focus when it comes to what we want our young people to do, we either want them to be in the medical profession or to be a pastor or to be a teacher. And to be a teacher, you have to marry someone in the medical profession, by the way. Just FYI. And the reason for this is because we think, ah, there's no other way really that we can provide for ourselves. And so you've got videographers and photographers and all sorts of graphic design geniuses that are in nursing school. And will one day go on to become great nurses, no doubt. And always yet they'll have this itch. What if I followed my passion? What if when God called me to do that and no one else had done it yet, what if I went forward? And yeah, you're saving lives. I'm not trying to put a downer on that. But that's the sense of fulfillment, genuine, honest fulfillment, only really comes when you're living in God's will for you. Clive has a story that I think illustrates this really well. So go ahead. Probably about four years ago, I had just moved to Weimar. And um, we were deciding to interview some interns who were going to be coming and working in our media department and learning lots of new skills and being a part of what we're trying to do at Weimar in terms of media. And 
I was interviewing this guy on Zoom. I'm not going to give any names. Um, but as we began talking, I was, I was asking him how he felt about coming. And I could sense a battle in his mind that he really wanted to come, but something was holding him back. And I, um, he said, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to come and do media at Weimar and, and be part of the intern, or I'm not sure if I'm going to go to school and study something else. And I paused for a second, and I said to the guy, you really want to do media, but your parents want you to do something else. And he just began to weep. On the interview, live interview with me, he just began crying. And he was just like, that's exactly what's going on. I'm feeling the call and burden to go and do what God has placed on my heart. But my parents have other ideas for me because they're not sure if it's financially viable, if I'm going to be able to provide for my family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And my answer to that is, and I want you to repeat after me, the safest place in all the world is in the will of God. And again, the safest place in all the world is in the will of God. So I said to the guy, I think it's best that we kind of stop the interview and that you go and find yourself. You need to determine whether you want to follow what God has for you to do or if you're just here to serve your parents. I totally understand, honor thy father and thy mother. But if God has a specific calling from you, nobody can take that away from you. If God has a reason for you to do something, nothing can take that away. You have to follow that calling every single time. So as Dean said, parents, and I've, I've seen it. He was just one example, but I've seen it multiple times. I've spoken to other people as well where this is what they wanted to do. But, you know, medical work, teacher, pastoral work, et cetera, et cetera. And we actually have some really good examples that we're going to be sharing about that. You want to say something? Yeah, and as, you know, someone that works in an educational institution, um, I've actually had a number of parents come to me and, you know, as their child is approaching, you know, is approaching or in their senior year and um, they come and they say, hey, you know, can we speak and we'll arrange a time to meet and then they'll be like, so such and such is thinking of going to this place to study graphic design. And I'm like, okay. And I was wondering if you could talk them out of it. And it's like, why? It's like, well, because how are they going to provide for themselves? Who's going who's gonna to want to marry them if they're going to be poor? And they're not going to have a family. And we have all of these ideals, rightly so. We want, we want our children to have the best life they possibly can. I get it. But as Clive said, there is no better life outside the will of God. Even so that I've had parents come to me and ask me to discourage their children from becoming missionaries. They want to go to the mission field. They want to take five years. Now, I work at an academy, so they haven't even gone to college yet. Like, they want to put, like, five years into mission work before they go to college. And that's just crazy because by the time they come out, they're going to be in this situation. And, and, and that child came to me and said, God has called me to the mission field. And I want to go. But I can't. Because they've told me that if I go, don't come back. And I understand even that there are, in some cultures, this is, this is even stronger. But which of our cultures should weigh more than the culture of God? The culture of heaven. The culture of mission. 
And so this is not to bash parents. This is to say that even your children are not your own. They are the Lord's. And we are stewards of our children. And one day we're going to give them back. One day we're going to have to present an account. And I don't know if my position is going to be very favorable trying to get into the kingdom. If when God asks me why my son didn't follow his will, I said, because I wanted his future to be financially secure. I don't think that's going to really be in my favor. So honor your father and your mother. But even above that, honor your father which is in heaven. It is our duty as individuals to follow the will of God in our life, wherever that may take us and wherever that may look like, whatever that may look like, that is our duty. And I think as those of us that are over others, parents, teachers, it is our duty to only encourage that, to find ways to assist them in reaching God's will for their life and not to be a hindrance, which I guess takes us on to the next part. Yeah, so I think, I think we spoke about financial fears and possibly is it going to be able to provide for, are we going to be able to be, be provided for as we get older or as we're trying to raise families and so forth? Um, there has been no point, no point in my ministry experience where my family has gone hungry or haven't had a house to, to sleep in. And I was mentioning to someone before in the previous seminar who came to speak to me after, I've been in situations like when we started Lineage, myself and my wife used all of our money to get the equipment. It got to the point where we couldn't go to the store and buy bananas for my two-year-old son. Right? That's how invested we were in the ministry. We put everything into that. But there is no point, no point at all where we weren't provided for. And I look back at um, even my ministry experience with Dean as we, as we spoke about some of those earlier, earlier on in our ministry journey. You know, the, t- the biggest testimonies that we have or the testimonies we remember is when God came through for us. I don't remember every single time that I, I worked nine to five and I got a paycheck every month. But I remember that time that somebody in the audience saw the need to donate to us. And they didn't realize how desperate we were at that time to pay our rent or so forth. But there was no point at all where we weren't provided for. So I think fears can always come from um, our, own, our own needs, not realizing that God is the one that supplies all those needs. He is the one that gives every single um, dollar that you need or every single time you need a meal. He provides all of those resources for you. Or it could be any ministry, thing, any things that are in the way as well. It could be whether you need transportation or whatever it can be. You guys have those in your own minds. But there's been no point where we have not been provided for. Now, I, I always remember the story in Exodus chapter 4 of Moses. Moses at the burning bush. And God is speaking to him. And, and God says to Moses, he says, you know, I want you to go and free the people, speak to Pharaoh, and I'm paraphrasing, etc., etc., etc. And Moses' response um, at the end of all these instructions, it was almost like, I don't know how I mentioned before where I said, but Lord. Moses' but Lord was, but Lord, what am I going to say? He was not good with speech or language. He didn't know what he was going to say. 
And this always struck, struck me because God said this to him. He didn't even respond to the question. He didn't say, Moses, you're going to say this and you're going to say that. He said, Moses, who has made your mouth? It's almost sarcastic, right? Who has made your mouth? I have made it. So I'm going to be the one that's going to provide what you have to say. I am going to be able to, the person that's going to provide every single thing along the way. So yes, granted, there is always fears. There's always concerns that you may have. But like I said, if it's God's will, it's the safest place you're going to be in the world, and it's always his bill. He's the person that's going to provide for it. Go on. And I think this is really it. This is what it culminates to is the trust aspect. Do you trust God enough? Do you trust him to take the gifts that he has given you, the you that he has made, the will that he has, and align those things for his glory? As Clive said, never went hungry, never was on the streets. And God said, our bread and water shall be sure. And no one grows up thinking, that's all I want. As long as I have my bread and water, I'm good. Right? We kind of we understand those are those are the minimums. Those are the things that we just need to survive. What's what's been a struggle for creatives and where I think this comes from is that as we've illustrated, things are set up in such a way where there's almost an expectation if you're involved in, you know, music, if you're involved in graphics, if you're involved in video production, will pay the speaker to come. We'll pay, you know, to fly them out from wherever they are. But we don't have money for the graphic designer to make the flyer. We don't. And we don't have money for the musician to come and to fly them in as well for them to sing. We just have resources for the message. And what that does is, yeah, it gives us testimonies. It gives us testimonies of how we were broke and we still decided to go for God. But that doesn't, that's not as encouraging as it could be. If the story was, uh-uh, God gave me these gifts and I used them and now that's what I do. And, and it's been great. Along the way, I've accumulated enough resources that I can pour it back into other young people that can now do the same. That's not the testimony yet, but it's what we want it to be. We want the, the arts to be taken seriously enough that we don't always have to say that they're missionaries in the sense that they're just broke and are constantly looking for the next miracle. That helps your faith, no doubt. But we don't ask that of the pastors or the preachers. Do you trust God? Do you trust that the gifts and the talents he's given you cannot just be used for his glory once a year when you're making a poster for GYC, but can be used to sustain you in ministry, period, that you can just work full-time for the Lord, be focused on bringing souls into the kingdom. I think that's possible. But I think it's only possible if we start as a collective to take it more seriously. And for that to happen, there has to be a few individuals that are willing to break the mold from the beginning. 
There has to be a few that will stand up at the start. There has to be a few that are willing to, to push through and, and get through the really hard parts. To raise awareness, to say, uh-uh, look, it can be done. And it can be done well. And it's important. I don't know if you realize, I was speaking to, to, um, to my friend Jai early. We were talking about AI. I don't know if you've seen in the past few months the development of certain AI programs, whether it comes to this new AI chat that they've created or AI art. Computers are starting to do everything now, growing at an exponential rate. That's what we're going to be up against. And if we don't start taking it seriously now, these principles, we're going to be left behind. Again, like we're already behind, substantially behind. If we don't have people that are willing to stand up and break through and push through and, and make themselves count following God's will for their life, we'll be in another proverbial dark ages when it comes to digital ministry. Now, we know some people, some, I guess we would call them Adventist creatives, you'll know some of them as well, that have taken a bold stance, that have gone forward with the gifts and the talents that God has given them and have just flown into ministry. And so we want to just show you some of them and maybe let you know why they have been successful so far. The first one we already touched upon, but Clive's going to add a few things. So who are types and symbols? Well, they're a design agency and their goal is to make Adventist literature, Adventist content, Adventist um, anything Adventist just look good. They're not reinventing the wheel. And this is something that is really important to, to take on board as well. Your idea doesn't have to be the most unique, amazing idea ever, because I don't believe their idea is unique, right? But what they have done is taken what already exists in our Advent message and make it look good, but only not, not only just look good, they've also made, made it sound better too. So as you read through their books, they've updated some of the archaic language. For example, if you want to go back years and years and years and years, we had the King James Version of the Bible, right? But those who read the King James Version of the Bible now, sometimes it's very difficult to understand and, and to, to comprehend some of the meaning. So what did they create? The new King James Version. They just updated the language so it's better applicable to us in today's society. And that's exactly what types and symbols have done. They've just taken the words of Ellen White and modernized it. So not changing the meaning, not changing the context, but make it more understandable for you and me today. So they've just taken something old and given it, given it a lick of paint and also refreshed the design so it's appealing to the eye. So they don't just do books. They've done numerous things. They actually have helped Weimar a lot as well, do some of our branding. We have a new booth. If you've seen the Weimar booth, Types and Symbols designed that for us. So there's lots of different things that they've got themselves into. But the point is, is that they're innovating what already exists. They're not trying to reinvent the wheel. And I know we've touched upon this as well also, um, but with the, the app that was just released to the App Store today, it's again taken something that we always had access to, the writings of Ellen White, um, and we've for a long time had them in audio form. I don't know if, how many of you have Audible, um, but the books, are, they're on there. Um, the audio is there. There's like a sound over them because they were recorded a long time ago. Um, and sound quite dated and archaic, because I guess, because it's written by Ellen White, it has to be recorded by a really old woman, or something along those lines of logic. Um, 
when that doesn't have to be the case. And Luminate um, is another good example of what you can do without reinventing the wheel. An idea that can, how much money did you guys make on Kickstarter? Uh, 156,000. 156,000. Now that's not all going to Clive's pocket, clearly. Um, but no offense, man. No offense, man. Um, yeah, that didn't come out good. But, um, but the ministry now can sustain itself. Because people see the idea, they buy into it, they think, wow, that's, I like that. It's not brand new. It's just bringing it to the times that we're living in. Here's a little clip from that. Hopefully it plays. But in that moment, she knew that she was healed. In that one touch was concentrated the faith of her life, and instantly her pain and feebleness disappeared. Instantly, she felt the thrill as of an electric current passing through every fiber of her being. There came over her a sensation of perfect health. She felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. So now, what's happened here, this, this, this isn't easy. We have a studio at Weimar. I walk in there and see these guys recording for hours and hours on end. But what you get at the end is you get something that people are like, oh, I want that. I want that. You come to GYC and say, hey, look at what we've done. You've got 2,000 people that just saw it, and suddenly it takes off. This is not how do you create the next amazing facts or how do you create the next GYC. But you can take things that exist and say, okay, I'm going to do that a little bit differently. And I'm excited for tomorrow because I've already spoken to some of you that have ideas that you're going to show. And I, and I think some of them already look amazing because there's, there's some work that's gone into them. Um, but those are a few things that have already been done that haven't reinvented the wheel. And we want to show you um, a few more people that we know that have, have been successful in different ways. Okay, so this is Paul. He works with me at, um, at Weimar. And I found his story really, really fascinating. He is an amazing cinematographer, an amazing videographer, and he loves to create really good Christian content. And he has a red. Now, anyone know how much a red costs? Someone says 70,000. It, it, can, it can range anywhere from like 20. Yeah, it could, it could range anywhere from like 20 upwards, right? But he has a red. Now, um, he always wanted to go and study film and video. And he applied for Andrews because um, his, his grandmother had passed away. And she had left him a college fund to go to, uh, to study. So he applied for Andrews and um, to study in their film program. And unfortunately, he didn't get the grades, so he wasn't, a wasn't able to go. But he didn't give up on his dream. He was like, well, this is what God has called me to do. So he decided to take that money and buy himself a red. And he bought the camera, and now he's creating really, really good stuff, and he's grown so much in the last three or four years that um, he's just been able to impact many people. We've both worked in him with him in both of our ministries. He's done the promo video for Luminate, if anyone did see that, and he's done a number of stuff for why they did that podcast as well. And we've just really enjoyed working with him, but the point I want to make here is that he didn't give up on his dream. Even though there were setbacks, God had given him a very specific calling, and he felt that calling. And with that calling, 
He was like, no matter what happens, no matter what obstructions come in the way, I am going to continue doing this. And by God's grace, he can stand on his own two feet now. And it's been able to be financially viable for him to be able to earn from what he's been able to do. But he has such a mission mindset. Everything is about mission, you know. So I think with Paul, he just didn't give up. And I think that's a lesson I want all of us to learn here. Don't give up. Whatever God has called you to do, don't give up. And it's also not always about school. Um, sometimes, I don't know if you've seen that, that illustration where it has all of the different animals kind of sitting at the bottom of the tree, but only the monkey can make it up, right? The, the whale's not going up the tree, the, the rhino's not going to knock it down. But when it comes to education, not everyone needs to go and get a degree. Not everyone needs to go and be, you know, overqualified for certain positions. This guy had a choice between school or actually just taking the money that he was going to use to go to school and just get straight to work. Now, that would sound almost suicidal for some because now you're not going to school. You know, you've got to make it work or that's it. You're done. You're going to be in some deadbeat job. But instead, he's, he's made it work. And he's, I think, in many ways, pioneering um, Adventist videography. And the way, that he, the way that he shoots his, his eye for, for, for design and the things that he can capture, I haven't seen it elsewhere. And the I, planning. Sorry? And the planning behind right. it. Right. He writes and draws out everything in his books before he even picks the camera up. We met him here at GYC. We were at GYC a few years ago. He came and he was like, oh man, love your podcast, love lineage. How can I be involved? Three months later, he's working with us, earning a paycheck, doing what he loves to do. And people want to say, oh, but yeah, I can't go into design work because, you know, how am I going to survive? Faith. Faith, because regardless of what you do and regardless of where you go, that's the only way you're going to survive anyways. Another one of our friends is, um, his name is Ashley, Ashley Bloom. Um, he works for Apple, has unbelievable talents when it comes to photography, when it comes to illustration, uh, when it comes to art. He is, he's high up in the company in the UK, um, has, has some awesome opportunities to, to speak to people in the store and reach them through the various stuff that he does. And he was essentially lost, looking for opportunity, looking for ways to use his gifts and his talents for the Lord. And he didn't really have any way of doing that until he met Clive. And I remember we were at camp meeting one day and he was like, hey, this is what I do. Is there any way that I can help your ministry? And obviously he showed us some of his illustrations and the design work. And we were like, of course. You want to put up a slide of his, some of his illustrations? Of course, right? Of course there's going to be a ways for us to work, work together. Anyway, uh, I know this is dating both myself and Dean, but probably about 10 years ago, Apple um, opened up the iBook store. And there was a program called iBooks Author where you could create interactive books, right? Has anyone used an interactive book before? Where it's got videos in it, it's got um, different kind of things that you could do, quizzes and so forth. Well, that's all from that from the, um, Apple, Apple bookstore. And because he was working for Apple, he knew that this stuff was coming out. So he said to us, hey, this is what's coming. I have the software on my computer. Let's make a Bible study using um, iBooks author, an interactive Bible study on how to study the Bible on Daniel chapter 2 and Daniel chapter 7. If you go to the iBook store there, um, if you go to the iBook store at some point on an iPad or an iPhone, 
those studies are still there and they're still very highly um, downloaded because they were one of the first that were out there. They have beautiful illustrations that he's drawn. They've got videos. They've got questionnaires. And it's basically a Daniel, Daniel 2 and a Daniel 7 study. And what I, the point we're trying to make with Ashley here is he didn't know what he was supposed to do. But he had so many gifts and talents that he was like, let me go find other ministries or other like-minded people and see how we can collaborate. Now, both myself and Dean have been really good friends with Ashley ever since. He's probably in our inner circle of friends um, and he still continues to do stuff for us. And we still go to him for advice, even before this presentation. We showed him the slides and we're like, hey, help us make some of these slides look better. But he was just willing to serve in whichever capacity he could. And he was willing to reach out to other people, not knowing what he could do by himself. And here we are today. He continued working with Dean on the Why They Did That podcast. He did a lot of the illustrations on the Why They Did That podcast. And he continued working with me in the Lydiage podcast, as well, in Lydiage videos as well, um, making videos and posters and graphic design. He designed our logo and all the artwork around that as well. And he didn't start off this good, by the way. <laughs> he didn't just four years old, pick up a pencil or an iPad. Um, and just start doing this. But recognizing that actually this was a gift and this was something that he loved to do, he put the time and effort into developing it to the point where now it looks as good as anything else out there except this is Christian. Mm -hmm. And this can be used in ways that none of that other stuff can be used. And I think, I think with Ashley, what he has done is if you look at some of these pictures here, at the top left it says Mighty Men. He has a ministry called Mighty Men Ministries where they study... Uh, mighty men from the Bible and also mighty women from the Bible. And what he does is he, every single topic, he will illustrate a picture like this. So it's custom every single time. And he'll, you know, make it look nice and he would advertise it. And he's been doing really, really well with that. An interactive Bible study with people, with a panel. He actually um, kicked off this ministry through COVID. Because COVID on Sabbath, people were looking for things to do and they weren't really wanting to watch the live stream because they could see that sometimes the churches weren't used to doing good live streams and they were stuck at home. So he started this Bible study. He created this content and made these illustrations, made it look really attractive and made this discussion just online about some of these biblical topics and characters. And it just grew and grew and grew. He took time and effort to design, meticulously design, meticulously, sorry, design every single character to make it, almost bring it to life, if that makes sense. Another one of our friends, um, his name is Jasper, and we'll show you him in just a moment. Um, but he, again, was one of those creatives that felt a passion for ministry, wanted to use his gifts, and uh, was told that that wasn't really going to be possible. That, in fact, he had to become a pastor if he was going to really um, excel in ministry. So he became a pastor and then stopped being a pastor, which almost sounds sacrilegious. He left pastoral work. Yeah, he left pastoral work. And the reason he left pastoral work is because for a number of years, probably about two years, he was reaching out to me. By the way, Jasper's from the Philippines. He would reach out to me and he'd be like, hey, what do you think of this video? I'm looking at opportunities to serve and to do videos and so forth and so forth. And when we started Lineage, I could see that he was dedicated and willing to serve. So I just messaged him and I said, hey, how would you feel about coming to work with us on some of these projects and coming out to Europe and spending some time filming? He then quit his job as a pastor in Jakarta, in Indonesia, flew out, no pay, nothing, just came out to serve and started practicing and using his gift. And here we are today. You continue. Yeah, here we are with, with multiple of the images that he's taken featured um, on National Geographic 
and his, his platform has grown and grown and grown. And what has he done with that? Just kept taking pictures? Sure. But with, with that kind of mind, with the idea of I want to serve and I'm going to use my gifts however I possibly can, God will take that and do things that you never thought were even possible. And I think this is one of the best examples that we have. This is what he, I guess, has entitled um, a jungle school. He's gone back to the Philippines and using the influence that he has online and using the people that now know him and the people that listen to podcasts that he's featured on and the, the photographs that he's taken that have given him um, a bit of spotlight, he's using all of these resources to get in as much funds as possible to build schools in the middle of nowhere for kids and for families that otherwise would have had zero opportunity at having an education. Not only are they building schools, but they're also um, funding a helicopter that flies and provides medical care to all the villagers in those regions. Sometimes to get from one of these villages down to the lowlands where there's hospitals or medical care, it would take days and days and days and days of hiking just to get from one place to another place. So they're funding a helicopter which flies people in and out of these locations when they're critically ill or really, really sick. And the amount of lives they've been able to save because of that, and then knowing you're saving lives and educating the kids, do you think they're going to be trustworthy in that community? Very trustworthy. So now they have the Advent message. They're, they're able to share that with people knowing that they've built rapport. Now, all of this was started through crowdfunding, but also through his online platform. Now, if anyone follows Jasper on Instagram, he's very funny. He posts lots of different stuff. But all of that is to build an audience. Once he has that audience, he's able to create stuff like this or um, create videos or, or, um, or sh uh, what's the word? stories or reels on some of these things that he's trying to do. And immediately people are like, wow, I want to support that. I trust you. And now I'm seeing what you're doing with the money. Let's keep on giving. And I believe he's been involved in starting probably about three or four schools with more coming in the future. And so imagine that. All of you, probably all of you in here have a smartphone. And all those smartphones nowadays have pretty good cameras. Imagine if just learning how to use that in such a way would be the difference between 50 kids getting an education or not. These are the kind of opportunities that are, that are available to us today because of the widespread nature of media. And if these are the opportunities, then I think these are also the obligations. We cannot have, be, be, be surrounded by all of these things that make ministry so abundantly easy for us and still choose to not get involved, to leave it to the pastor and the elders and the speakers and the ministries. What about what God might do through you? This guy left pastoral work where he was ministering to a flock. That's ministry, no? Now he's in the jungle building schools for underprivileged kids. That sounds a lot like ministry as well. Imagine where God could take you. You probably can't. You probably, there's no way that he would have imagined this. There's no way. Another one. Um, and this one is perhaps a little bit more current um, and funny. Uh, but this is one of my friends who I went to school with. Um, his name is Elijah. And all he started doing was just posting funny reels with like trending audios. And 
he, his Instagram has already started to blow up. Here's just a few examples for you. You're stealing, right to jail. You're playing music too loud, right to jail, right away. You're driving too fast, jail. Slow, jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters, glasses. You right to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. We have the best patients in the world. Right, so you take something that, let's be honest, most of you are thinking, that's what Leviticus sounds like. Here's this audience like, oh, I've got an idea. I'm just going to put those two things together. Content. Here's another one. When you fall asleep during the church live stream. Stop crying about what went wrong. Because God will take wrong and make it right. Someone turn us down. Now, how, how many of you can relate to that during COVID? Right? Live streams on. To right now. Yeah, <laughs> live streams on, and you're and you're in bed because you know you're just at home, and then you just jump up and the sermon ends, right? Here, when the Holy Spirit is tired of seeing you watch TV instead of spending time with God. Here we go again. That probably takes him about forty-five seconds. But believe it or not. Some of these had like 90,000 views. Some of them had 500,000 547,000 views. I think one yeah. of them was, yeah. yeah. And that's, that is, these are the opportunities that are available. Mm-hmm. Now, you might not all be funny, but sometimes not being funny and trying to be funny is quite funny. <laughs> There's ample opportunity there. Literally, when they say the world is your oyster, it's true. Now that we have these things, which consume way too much of our time doing nonsense. Imagine if we just learned how to do it in such a way that we could actually be drawing people to the Lord. When he started doing this, he had a few hundred people on Instagram. Now he's got a few thousand and it's growing all the time. And all he's doing is just taking advantage of a few trending things that aren't outrageous or disgusting and putting a little Christian spin on it. And then people are already messaging him like, what church do you go to? That sounds crazy because it is. Because some of us have been preaching for years and no one has said that. And this guy's just creating a reel and there you go. But those are the opportunities. Those are the kind of opportunities that are available. This one is, is, is not at all Adventist, um, but the point still stands. How many of you have heard of The Chosen? This is not the first media platform to make a story about Jesus' life. These, this has been happening for ages, perhaps for too long. And you watch some of them. And you can almost tell, as much as these people are trying their best, it doesn't really seem like Jesus. There's no personal aspect. And you watch it, and it's just like, oh, okay, this is kind of the stuff that you watch on Sabbath because you can't watch the things you really want to watch. But instead, what they've done is they've taken the Jesus that we know so well, they've taken the gifts and the talents that God has given them, and they've now made a multi-million dollar platform to share the story of Jesus. And the director's story is quite interesting as well. His father made a movie called Left Behind about the rapture and all that nonsense. Um, And then he pitched this idea to various different studios and they all rejected him and said it wasn't going to work. So he just started his own platform and then just crowdfunded it. And now they've, they've raised hundreds of millions of dollars. And this is what he gets to do with his life. Why can't that be some of you? Why can it not? So, I'm going to give you some tips as to how you can start your own ministry, just leading up to tomorrow's panel. Three examples. We touched on two of them already, the preaching place, lineage. I'm going to go into a little bit more detail 
as to how it is we started the podcast in the hopes that some of those things will become a reality for you too. So the very first thing when we started the Why They Did That podcast in 2019 was I sat down with my friend Christian Freed. He had asked me if I was willing to record. Um, he had this idea of doing a podcast for our school, for Weimar University. He's like, no one really knows about the school. Let's make a podcast and try and get the word out there. And, I, and he sent me an email and I was like, yeah, sure. And I say yes to everything. That's just what I do. Uh, it's just most of the time, the people that ask, they're the ones that fall through, so I don't have to do much. <laughs> but he was serious. And he was like, all right, we're going to be in the studio at this time. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I went there, sat down. He told me the idea. I was like, okay, let's do it. The, the idea wasn't necessarily this, um, but it was let's just create good content, attach our school's name to it, and send it out there. And who knows what will happen. And so we asked ourselves, why? Why would we do this? What's the point? And more so, what is it that we really love? And we said, well, there's nothing that really excites either of us as much as studying the Bible in depth. Not just reading the stories, but asking the very difficult questions. Asking the why. So that was kind of the, the formative idea. We love studying the scriptures. We love stories. And we love hearing testimonies. So how can we put those three things together in a podcast? Now, we, have a, we had a bit of an advantage because there wasn't really any Adventist podcast at the time. We'd done some research. We found six. Four of them were inactive for the past two years. And there are a number of churches that would just put their sermons on podcast sites. Those aren't podcasts. That's just that's an abuse of the platform. Um, but anyways, so we're like, okay, we love studying the Bible. We love stories. We love testimonies. Let's do it. And then we hit the obvious roadblock of we don't have a clue what we're doing. I had only listened to one podcast before in my life. He had listened to about three. Neither of us knew anything to do like what programs we would have to use, how it would even be recorded. You know, one time we sat down, we had mics. We borrowed stuff from our friends. We had microphones because, you know, we were students. And we were sitting there and we were like, can't get the mic to work, which you need that, <laughs> right? Like, can't get it to work. We're sitting down there, you know, that's not happening. Like, what's going on? Why is this not working? What, what do we have to do? And then we prayed. <laughs> we prayed and we were like, Lord, help us to understand why the microphone isn't working, right? We were, we were on a schedule. We had to get a number of episodes done in the summer because we were doing it for our school and they were paying us to do it. Like, we have to, Lord, please help us, help us. We finished the prayer, Amen. A knock on the door. I know you, you hear these things and you think that didn't really happen. It really happened. I think the same thing when I hear those stories, by the way. Uh, it was at least 15 minutes and you just sat there. No, no. As soon as we finished, knock on the door. And we were like, huh. And we looked. And then someone came in. And they were like, what are you guys doing in here? It was a dusty old studio. No one, no one would go in there. It's like, what are you guys doing in here? I was like, well, we're about to record a podcast. He's like, really? Okay. He's like, sorry to interrupt. I'm like, no, you didn't actually interrupt. We can't get the mics to work. Like, really? I work on the AV team at church. I was like, wonderful. Now, truth be told, not all of those guys actually know what they're doing. But he came in and he was like, oh, I see the problem here. What is it? You didn't plug the mic in. That's where we were. That's how much knowledge we have. Now, how many of you know how to plug a microphone in? You're already ahead. You're already one step ahead of where we were. We literally knew nothing. 
I did what Clive said, went on YouTube Academy, learned everything. Before we even started recording, we probably consumed about 40 to 50 hours worth of videos telling us how to do these things, what programs we would use, how to use the programs, the, the shortcut keys, you know, what we had to do to the room in order to get quality audio, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We YouTubed everything. And we watched it in normal speed as well, by the way. YouTubed everything. We made a ton of mistakes. So many mistakes. And not just mistakes, but mistakes that like truly and deeply wasted a lot of people's time. Because they would come in to sit down and record a podcast with us, and we didn't even hit record. <laughs> and they traveled like two hours from San Francisco, sat down. Wow, that was such a blessing. Can't wait for everyone to hear it. There you go. No one's going to hear it. <laughs> Made a lot of mistakes. But what we also saw was we saw progress. We saw a lot of progress, and we saw a lot of progress quick because we were pouring ourselves into it. We're like, we're going to make this work. And we had decided there and then that we were not going to settle for mediocrity. We were not. We asked God for microphones, but we asked for the best ones. We said, Lord, we want this to sound really good. I don't know how many of you have read the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is my favorite character in the Old Testament. And I love when, when he saw that there was a need, he prayed to the Lord. And then he was called into his king's chamber. And not only did the king allow him to go and do that work, but the king said, I'm going to give you all the materials that you need from my royal garden to go and do this work because it's important. And so we claimed that from the Lord. We said, Lord, we want to do something, but we want to do it really well. Help us because we don't have the means. And he provided. The microphones that we used alone were $2,000 each. We didn't have money like that. Someone else had money like that. And they borrowed those to us until we could bring the ministry to a place where we could, you know, then go on and, and buy our own. And so we had this great idea, at least we thought it was great, of taking this thing and trying to break through in this unsaturated market, which has since then become um, definitely more saturated than it was. And I remember we were sitting down, we were in the design process, we're thinking, how are we going to do this? What's it going to look like? What's it going to be called? And that was the, the name thing we were stuck on for a while. And we were going around all of these different things. I wanted to call it I wanted to call it the aphotic zone. How many of you know what the aphotic zone is? And that's why we didn't call it that. <laughs> now, the aphotic zone, I don't know if you know this, but the sea has different levels of depth. And the aphotic zone is the bottom level. It's the level where the least amount of light penetrates. It's where all the weird things are down there. That, you know, the fish with the... You get another thing? He's down there. And that's why I was like, I was like, it's about depth. You know, it's about getting to, to places that are difficult to understand, stories that we perhaps overlooked. It's going to be called the aphotic zone. And he was like, I don't think anyone knows what that means. And I was like, I know, but I just explained it. Doesn't it sound good? He's like, yeah, but are you going to explain it to everyone? Like, are you going to, at the start of the podcast, say, this is the aphotic zone. By the way, did you know that the aphotic zone is the lowest level? <laughs> They've already turned off. All right. He wanted to call it the spark. And that's why we didn't call it the spark. Because, uh, well, actually, the truth be told, the reason why we didn't was because back home in London, um, where I used to live, there was a bike shop, a bike repair shop called Spark. And one time I, I brought my bike in there because the, the tire wasn't 
tire was punctured, and I didn't know how to fix it. I brought it in there. And they actually somehow put an additional puncture in the tire. And uh, I left with two punctures. And I just had really bad feelings about it since then. So, so we didn't go with the spark. One of our friends walked in and was like, hey, what are you guys doing? I'm recording a podcast. Oh, what's it about? Uh, it's about Bible stories. Just taking the stories that everyone knows, or everyone thinks they know, and trying to go a little bit deeper and essentially ask, why did they do that? And he was like, oh, what's it called? I'm like, I don't know. Why don't you just call it, why did they do that? We were like, huh. That was a bit of a mouthful, so we narrowed it down to why they did that. But that's where the name came from, just by accident. Just some guy being nosy, poking his head in, trying to see what we were up to in the studio. And that's how it came about. And we're like, okay, cool. It has the emphasis on the why, which is what we want. We want to be asking that question. Why did they do what they did? And so we sat down. We sat down with professors. We sat down with friends. No scripts. And just said, hey, let's have a conversation about this very, very specific part of this Bible character's life. And let's just talk. And that's what we did. We recorded 12 episodes for that season. And I'll never forget. The day that we were sitting in that studio and we listened back to the finished edit of the first episode and I got chills. Not because I was like, wow, this is so good. Everyone's going to love it. I was like, there's no way, there's no way that someone is going to listen to that and think two months ago, these guys didn't know how to plug in a microphone. God has done something here. And it was the most exciting feeling to feel like God was using us to do something for him. It was like, oh, this is why I became a Christian in the first place. This is what I meant when I said, Lord, I want to give you my life. So we made the the first season, put it out on, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and it, it went everywhere. Um, I think by the end of the first season, it was being played in over 100 countries around the world. We made it for our school. Just our school. There was like, we were like, no one knows about this place. That's just a hundred countries. From that point forth, we were able to join up with different ministries. There were other ministries that were coming to us saying, hey, we'd like to advertise our products on your show. We'll pay you this amount. So now the whole thing just takes care of itself. Each episode brings in a certain amount of revenue that goes back into making sure that this thing continues. And it runs, and the content's out there, and it will always be out there. It will always be accessible. To do a second season, we wanted to, we, we started a Kickstarter campaign. Again, something that not, hadn't really been done much in Adventism, but we, we saw types and symbols, raised 144,000, and we were like, well, that, I don't know whether you got it just purely because it's a prophetic number, um, but it encouraged us. And so we managed to raise about 43,000. There's no significance for 43, at least not that I know of. Um, but we raised 43,000. That enabled us to get our own equipment and to be able to do this for as long as we wanted and for as long as we felt like it was God's will. And that's it. That's the difference oftentimes between someone being involved in ministry and you knowing someone that's involved in ministry. What opportunities are available to you? What gifts do you have? What talents do you have? And do you genuinely want to use them for the Lord? What a shame it would be if in 20 years time our musicians are still going out 
singing secular songs because they're trying to make a career out of it. What a shame it would be if in 10, 15, 20 years' time, our videographers are still working for Hollywood because there's no platform available for them. This only changes when we choose to change it. So now the question is to you. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? And I'll tell you this for free. It's never been easier. It's never been easier. Just today, I was, I, was, I was looking at the various platforms. I don't know if I can show. Does that just cut off? Could you set it up? I was, I was looking through, okay, what are the actual programs that can be used? Like, like, where are we in terms of technology that makes this so simple for us? And a lot of the time, we think that it's harder than it actually is. In fact, I would say that nowadays, to do this well, you don't even really have to be talented at all. You just have to know what to do. You just have to know where to go. You just need to know the services that are available. For example, images. You don't have to Google image things. You Google image things, you find all sorts of nonsense. There's, image, there's, there's websites like <clears throat> there's websites like Unsplash. There's websites like Pexels that have high-definition images only, curated perfectly to the search engine that you have running there. And if you, if you, whatever you're looking for, you're designing slides, you're designing flyers, the highest quality pictures right there. Whatever you would need. I don't know how many of you have heard of Artlist. Any of you heard of Artlist? Maybe just a few of you. This is a program that we use, um, both for Lineage and for why they did that. Um, here we are. So you can just, if you want to start a radio ministry, for example, you just type radio and you actually get good quality images. Like you can take this. You can download this image for free, absolutely for free. No, no, you don't have to log into anything. Completely for free. It's gone. Maybe that's why. Um, and you can take these things, just design posters, get some text, slap it on, find a font that works well. Go to dafont.com, find loads of free fonts. Of course, you can't use them commercially. Um, <laughs> but what you can do is you can find ways to bring this together. On Artlist, for example, if you can go to Artlist, we have... And we, we pay for this because, you know, not everything's for free. Um, but you essentially have an entire music library with licensed music just sitting there. Thousands upon thousands of tracks. All of which you can just go into and say, okay, I want, I'm going to choose the mood of the song I want. I want it to be dramatic. Clive likes dramatic music for lineage. And then I'm going to go to genre going to go for maybe ambient and then it's going to search obviously the internet here is terrible and it's going to find songs and that's it it's yours you can have it with the license you can use it on anything you want you don't have to find a professionally trained musician not only that and this is probably putting people out of out of work but you can go to art grid and find 4K video just there. I don't know, let's say you're doing a documentary and you're like, I'm going to do a documentary about Rome because, you know, we're Adventists, right? We like to do that stuff. 
So I'm going to search. Hopefully something comes up. There you go. All of this footage. This is going to be my opening shot. Now, I don't have to have a $2,000 drone. I don't have to get a ticket to Italy. I don't have to climb up to wherever that is. I literally have a shot here that if the internet was good enough, we'll be playing to show you that it's the hard work has been done for you. It's all there. You can go to websites like Motion Array and get all of your um, effects, your after effects, all done for you. Titles, done. Audio, done. Templates, done. Lower thirds, done. Everything is done. You just have to be willing to put the time into making it work. And imagine that. Imagine not having to have a camera. Imagine not having to have a microphone. Imagine just having to sit down, watch YouTube for a little bit, which you probably do too much of anyways, and find ways to bring that together and use it for the Lord. It couldn't be easier. It couldn't be easier. Oh, and then, of course, you've got Canva, which, again, we use all the time to create posters, flyers, Instagram stories, whatever. It's all there. It's all ready. It's too easy, yet no one's doing it. No one in here anyways, no one in the church. I say no one loosely because there's one or two, three, one, two or three people that are putting us to shame. But all of this is available. The programs are there. The soft, you don't have to have a, a degree in understanding computers to be able to use some of this stuff. Most of this stuff. The question is whether or not you're going to. I think for a long time, Adventist creatives have been shackled. The difference is now, each of those creatives, each of you, have the key to your own chains. The question is, do you actually want to be set free? Or you're okay walking around with baby steps? Set yourself free. Ask the Lord to use the gifts that he's given to you. That's why they were given to you. Who knows what we're going to see? But I remember the story of little Samuel, and we'll close with this, who did not even yet know the voice of God. And as he began to hear it, went to his mentor, I'm hearing this. Did you call me? No, 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 no. Go back to sleep. Comes back, I'm hearing this. Did you call? He said, listen, if that happens again, you say to the Lord, Lord, here I am. The third time, that's what he said. Lord, here I am. And the Bible tells us that he was given a message that made all the people of Israel's ears tingle because they hadn't heard something like this before. Our prayer is that's what happens here. That your ears, that the ears of, of the world would tingle as they are introduced to the Lord through you, through your gifts through your talents, and through the ministries that you're either going to start, innovate, or join. Now tomorrow, for our last, our last seminar, we're going to have the Dragon's Den, kickstarting your digital ministry. Some of you have already submitted on the Google Forms. We'll get the QR code up on the screen again. But we want to see what ideas you guys have. We're going to bring some people in here, um, some people that you've seen on screen, others that you haven't, to sit down and listen to your ideas. You're going to have 
an audience here that are going to sit down and listen to your ideas, give feedback, let you know what we think could be done better, what could be done differently. And as I said at the very beginning, our prayer is that here at GYC, a brand new ministry will start. That's our prayer. We hope it's one of you guys. We're praying that it's one of you guys. And we're looking forward to seeing what you can bring up tomorrow. So let's have a prayer as we close. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for the patience of these people here. And thank you for the experience that you've given so many of your people. I feel like we're making a breakthrough here, Lord, in the design world. I pray that you would help us in our desire to not just get the message out there, but to get the full package. To take this beautiful, everlasting gospel that you have given this church and to present it in the beauty of holiness. Just as Jesus was not just words, but character also. Let us be too. And Father, I pray that whatever comes of this would further the work of your kingdom. That as much of this is a blessing, that we wouldn't have to have too many more GYCs. But if anything, we can just keep having them up in heaven. Come quickly, Lord, and use us to that end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message was recorded in partnership with Audioverse at the GYC Conference Break Forth in Phoenix, Arizona. GYC, a supporting ministry of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, seeks to challenge and inspire young people to take sacrificial initiative for Christ and to see Jesus finish the work in this generation. For other resources like this, visit us online at gycweb.org.